0: Welcome to the Extra Podcast. This is Jeff Bucknam. Uh, this is part of our Nobodies series, and I have a real nobody with me today. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> Actually, this is just a series of talks that we've been doing with people who are uh, in our church, who a lot of people might not know, but who play significant portion, a significant part of what goes on here at Northview. Today, I am with one, another one of our elders. I think you are the youngest elder, Jason.
1: You think? Well, I don't know. Are you? E- oh, by like a decade. So introduce yourself, Jason. Uh, uh, Jason Wall, and I have been an elder for four years, and I'm 35 now. So
0: 31 years old. You
1: became an elder of the church. Oh yes. Uh, you sit in a room with uh,
0: what 18 others, and you are far and away the oh yeah the
1: young gun in the room for sure. Right, for sure. And you are married. I am. I have a beautiful wife, Ashley Wall, and three kids. How um, old are your kids? Maddie's seven, Lincoln's five, Beckett's two. Okay. And you're so. on your way to eight of those. Uh, no. Uh, three is the end. <laughs> really? Three, three Lord, is the Lord, end. Lord, you heard that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's good. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. Uh, you have, you're from
1: Abbas, you grew up here. I grew up in the lower mainland. Yes. Okay. In, what, is, what does that mean? Uh, my dad built houses. When I was a kid. So I lived in 15 different houses before I was 18 around the lower mainland. So you guys would buy a house and build it up or renovate it? Yeah. So my dad would build a new house. We would sell the house we were living in. We would move into that house while he was building the next house. And then we would continue to do it. It's
0: like being in the Navy. Yeah, kind of. So you just moved from house to house to house. Was it always within the same area or
1: all across the lower mainland? Vancouver, Richmond, Langley, Cloverdale, Abbotsford, Aldergrove, everywhere. So did you go to a different school every year? No. So my elementary was spent all in Richmond. So I spent my time in Richmond. And then I went to Langley Christian and Pacific Academy.
0: Oh, one of those.
1: I am one of those.
0: Wow. Why did you come to Abbotsford? Was this the last
1: place that you ended up, your family ended up? Uh, No, we came to Abbotsford when Ashley and I got married. And, uh, it was just a matter of economics. We could afford a condo here. So we moved here and figured, ah, the 20 minute commute, cause we were going to church in North Langley and figured, ah, the 20 minute commute isn't a problem, but we really like to be involved in church. And so when that was happening so often, we thought, you know what, it's better to find a church in our community here. And so that's when we made the full jump to Abbotsford.
0: Okay. Yeah. To Northview. What year did you start attending Northview?
1: Mm, I attended, we, we're going on 10 years now. Okay. So just about a year after we got married. All right. Yeah. And you're friends with Ezra Akote. You you were like, you you knew each other from years ago. Yes. When he was doing his internship at North Langley Community Church and he was doing his master's degree. Um, He was this college and career guy and I was helping out. And so that's where we kind of got to know each other. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And d- you you'd never attended Willingdon. No. Okay, because yep. for some reason I thought that that was the... That's kind of... A, I've noticed that about Mennonite Brethren people around here, is that either you uh, at one point attended Arnold or uh, Yarrow... Yeah. Or you attended Willingdon and those are sort of the rites of passage.
1: No, no, no. I, I came from Vancouver, so ah. I attended Culloden Mennonite is. In Church. There it is, right? There's there's always a connection. So Culloden was my home church. Did you grow up as a
0: Mennonite is this a Oh yeah.
1: I'm, yo, so tried I and true. Oh yeah. Is yeah. Wall Wall's not a Mennonite name? It is. Is it? Yes. What? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's Mennonite. Oh, okay. My I mean, my heritage is Mennonite through and through. See, because
0: you're the only wall that I know, except for the wall center.
1: See, and that is a comparison. Whenever I say my name is Walt, oh, are you the wall center walls? And then I say, no. And then everybody kind of just drops their shoulders as if like, oh. Because
0: they thought they were in for a free night. Yeah,
1: exactly. Right? (laughs) Just (laughs) because they met you. Oh, could I have a free night? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, no. And then I just, you know. Cut their legs out from under them. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I'm not that wall.
0: Uh, and then they realize that
1: you actually are a nobody. <laughs> uh, actually, I am a nobody. <laughs> so you've been
0: serving, uh, you you came to faith in Christ. What, did you just kind of grew up in a Christian family?
1: Yes, I grew up uh, always going to church, always being involved in some Christian community, uh, Culloden to start with. Um, and then at 13, I got baptized. It mm. just was a matter of, I mean... My parents tell me of a, a time when I accepted Jesus into my heart at five years old, but you know, it was, it was a growth over time. And at 13, I, I got baptized and have been serving in the church ever since. And you've been, what, you, you work, what do you do now for a living? What is your... Uh, well, I manage a manufacturing company that builds wooden boxes for airplane parts, basically. Okay. So uh, we custom manufacture pieces to keep things safe as they travel. Uh, so I do, it's a small company, so I do everything from sales calls to human resources to actually like running machines and fixing machines. And What's doing the name like of your company? Uh, New Line Crates.
0: Newline Crates. Yep. So if anybody's listening and is in need of uh, specialty boxes for airline parts. Yep, exactly. You're their
1: guy. A very niche market. <laughs> we'll <laughs> well, you never know. That, Look, right?
0: this could, somebody could right now, somebody from Boeing could be listening to this podcast.
1: They, they could. Yes. Yes. Yes, Do you sell could. to Boeing? I sell to Boeing suppliers, yes.
0: Oh, so down the chain a bit. Uh, down, yeah. 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 That's yeah. all good. Yep. So you've been involved in church for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've been called to be an elder four years ago. What was it like for you to make that decision as a young guy? Doesn't elder mean old man?
1: I thought elder meant old. Well, yeah, if you look at the demographic, he does, right? Uh, but... Uh, Honestly, it was it was kind of an, an evolution of my Christian walk. And so in some ways, it was um, normal. Like, yeah, that f- that fits. That's so evolution that's the next, is normal. That's what you did. Yeah. Okay. It's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks.
0: Anyway, no, it's the evolution of your Christian <laughs> right. walk. Right. And it's, in some ways, it was just, the, it was a normal thing. Because you've always been involved in some sort of leadership in, like with Ezra and with other places you've been involved in leadership.
1: Yeah, I've, I've. Uh, from a young age, it was instilled in me that we should serve in the church. And so whether that was stacking chairs after an event or, um, you know, teaching a Sunday school class or whatever, that's, that's where I started. And then I guess, you know, the gifts that God had given me slowly were developed and, uh, people noticed things in me and then would move me, you know, into a leadership role and doing high school ministry and then college and career and then community group leaders. And so it just kind of developed over time, um, and then with that, I went to Bible school and got a biblical studies degree. So I had some.
0: What school did you attend?
1: CBC. Okay. Oh, Mennonite. Yeah, you are really right? Blue like, blood. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You want to talk to a Mennonite right here? Right. <laughs> oh, I am. Right. To That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Then when I came to Northview, that was that was the thing to do. So I tried to plug in where I could, and that happened to be in college and career at the time with um, with Ezra because I had a connection there, and then. Uh, slowly it developed and somebody, Steve actually approached me and said, Hey, Steve, would you consider
0: our executive pastor?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, approached and said, would you consider being an elder? And so, you know, when I look back on, it, I think, Oh, it was like, it was a normal process. But in the moment I was like, really? So what goes on in your mind? Like, I I would like to talk to you a little bit about what an elder is and does. Mm-hmm. So uh, what is an elder? Uh, so from my perspective an elders kind of has two functions one is to like manage the church in terms of like what we do what our vision is how we're going to accomplish those things uh, but much more importantly than you know, finances and operations, I think is the the role of discipling people, shepherding the flock of God uh, to a greater understanding of who He is. So there's a kind of governance
0: and and a shepherding that goes on.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a both and. So I like. Typically, I think we think of elders in terms of, you know, dollars and cents and what color the carpet will be and, you know, who's going to be the lead pastor. Hmm. That's what we would kind of see. Um, but from my perspective or from my experience here at Northview, a lot of it is spending time with people, praying with them, counseling them through difficult circumstances, and um, leading small groups so that, you know, people can grow in Christ. Yeah, one of the big differences
0: in the scriptures between an elder and a deacon is the elders are what we call apt to teach or able to teach. It doesn't mean it's a skill that they have so much as Titus one nine seems to clarify that language to say that it's a... They know their stuff, they they know their stuff, and they kind of serve as guardians of the truth of the the faith. And uh, as such, they tend to be involved in... um, in training and like so we our elder meetings we have uh times for theo- theological discussion we pray for people so it's a ministry of the word and prayer yeah. and and there's discussion and reports from people who have served in deacon capacities around the church who are coming and saying well this is what the finances look like and these these are the sorts of decisions that need to make, be made uh, regarding those and regarding like development of the property and what's the best thing going forward and what yeah. kind of strategy should we have has a church
1: to maximize our ability to reach the lot stuff like that. Yeah. But what what's really interesting is is that it's it's through the lens of a shepherding model. So yeah, we would look at the the dollars and cents and what does that look like, but the conversation around the table with the eighteen other men in the room is not about the dollars. It's about how we should like, how would God want us to use those dollars? How should we approach this operational challenge? How should we deal with this human resources issue from a biblical perspective? How do we maintain biblical uh, integrity while dealing with these operational issues? Do you, find, is,
0: do you find that difficult?
1: It is challenging. Absolutely. Why? Uh, um, it, re- responsibility is challenging. Right. When like the, the idea that, uh, there's always a cost to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at some level, there's always a,
0: yeah, it's if, if the decisions were easy to make, anyone would make them mm-hmm. right. But that the challenges that we require oftentimes the elders require wisdom that, that is not immediately forthcoming. Right. Cause you have to sit in a room and you hear different opinions and different people, uh, speaking about the challenges and yeah. trying to sort through all of that. In order to make a godly decision, yeah, which often doesn't sit well with everybody, never does. either in the room or sit well completely with everybody who it affects. And yeah, that's the absolutely. Diffi- that's the that's the difficulty, and yet you're doing something that you think you you honestly before God sense is is in the best interests of of the whole church for now and the days to come.
1: Yeah, and it's not just a simple A plus B equals C kind of a circumstance, right? So there are times when Sacrifices are made or people disagree and you move forward based on, you know, uh, conviction,
0: right? So um, as an elder, you are placed in a situation uh, where you kind of have to keep your, uh, you sit on the, I don't know, 30th floor and you look out at the horizon mm-hmm. and you are tasked with the the... The role of kind of being one of the shepherds, of the chief shepherds of the of the church, although that language chief shepherd is reserved for Jesus in the Bible. But <laughs> yeah. you're an under shepherd, right? So you yeah. are one of the ones in the church who is given that task, and so you need to look out around the world and try to identify the challenges and difficulties that are going to rise against the church and things. So I, you've done that mm-hmm. a bit. Tell yeah. me, Jason, what what are the issues? That are plaguing the church today. If you had to identify them, mm-hmm. uh, what what are the what what are they that are causing difficulty with people's discipleship?
1: Oh, I I think that primarily we have a like access to all types of opinions and all types of data on many different things, and it can come through Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case is, and we 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 lack a filter as to what. What is good, right, and true? Because I think, in a lot of ways, our our um, biblical ignorance is exposed when we're given that much information. And so, like, I think that that's actually a big challenge for the the modern church, for the current church, is to think about well, how do we how do we filter through, you know, Joel Osteen tweets or or you know John Piper tweets or whatever the case is? How do we understand what's good and right and what lines with the Bible it sounds like right? you're talking about a,
0: a discernment yeah like the ability to discern between what is like as you say good true and beautiful yeah as opposed to what is not especially when everybody calls their I mean it, this day and age when everybody might have the slap the term Christian behind yeah. it right oh well, yeah uh, exactly. Justin Bieber's a Christian yeah Oh, supposedly no right or or whomever <laughs> yeah Kevin Durant sure. is a Christian okay. uh, and they say things that sound very not Christian they mm-hmm. sing songs that are very not Christian at points mm-hmm. Kendrick Lamar Christian I've heard <laughs> oh okay <laughs> but I, again say things that aren't very Christian and so what What ends up happening is people end up hearing that and they're like oh okay Christian I'll follow him and then they end up treating those people their tweets their opinions which are very easily accessible because of social media. Yeah. They end up treating those things on par often with the viewpoints of say the pastor or
1: Yeah, well exactly.
0: or even more so other pastors. Yeah. are this have their viewpoints have the same uh, validity as your pastor does. yeah
1: So like how do you, but but I I think they like the the challenge is, is that culturally we look at people instead of the the bible. So like we're trying to make the bible line up to what people are saying instead of saying is 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 what Jeff is saying is what Jason is saying is what Kendrick Lamar is saying or whatever the case is 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 that is that lining up biblically not oh, oh well I don't know how to cuz I don't like that or you know like we, we tend to do the opposite of what we should does that make sense do you think does sense?
0: it does make sense do you think that, that that uh the the very question that you asked you more of the point that you just made that when people hear these things they should be thinking does that line up with the bible mm-hmm. do you think that's what they're doing
1: do i think that yeah
0: do you think that that's the the approach people take right now and if not then how do you get there
1: i think it's i, th- I think it's a discipline to uh, teach yourself to uh, s- seek what the bible has to say and submit yourself to it right i don't think that that's something that just happens i think we're actually bent the other direction so we th- we think opposite to the way that we should. Sin has so it it been so involved in our lives that we can't think that way. So it's actually an effort filled thing. And I don't know that. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what the numbers would be, but I would say that in in a lot of cases, people aren't actively dis- disciplining themselves towards biblical understanding, biblical knowledge. Biblical so what would that, that, what would that look like? You're
0: you're essentially saying, look, you need to you need to. Be in the in the in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. You need to commit yourself to reading and and understanding them, and yeah, studying them, and make make become a a, a learner. Yes, right. Which is what a disciple—that's the word means, right? Yes, it's, it's a learner. Yes. So you need to be doing that with the Bible. But there have been lots of Christians for the years who know lots of Bible verses, but who don't do, like I, I've been told before. Oh man, we know enough to. You know, we we already know enough. The problem is the application of what we know. Do you think that that's true, or is that do we not know enough?
1: No, I think it's a both. I guess it's a both and. In that, if it just is knowledge, something is something is missing. I mean, I think there's a reason that Paul said to the Corinthians, "Follow after me, as I follow after Christ." Like this idea of like we don't just simply know what is true, but we actually enact what is true. So we make those right decisions. We you know serve so like one of the things that paul talks about is you know meet together encourage one another um are we actually doing that are we exhorting one another you know rooting out sin in our lives things things like that which actually create practice and and uh, uh an understanding but you can't really properly apply without knowing mm. so it's a both end yeah
0: that makes sense um I mean, I agree with you. I think that there's a massive challenge that the church faces these days with uh, when in the area of discernment, mm. and I think that the problem ultimately. I mean, you're, this is essentially what uh, I had. I spent my time in my doctoral dissertation trying to argue is that like faced with just the example of film, mm-hmm. people don't have the ability to. Uh, first of all, when they go and watch a movie, they don't. They don't have a frame. Frame. They don't have understand that what they're doing in this moment is actually uh, being involved in a worldview debate. The people who have made the movie have a particular view of the world, and they're espousing that view by the story they're telling. Mm -hmm. We go thinking, "Well, I just want to unplug and and you know relax or whatever," and that's that's legit and fine. It's just that you've now thrown yourself into a setting where you're you're being fed once again a certain line of what the good life looks like. Yeah. So we don't we're not aware that that's happening. Even if we were aware that it's happening, we're not really very good at the word exegeting, but like picking apart and understanding what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And even if we were good at what they're saying, say, say we could do those first things. I know I'm going into this worldview debate thing, you know, even though it's not a debate, it's a film. uh, And I know how to pick pick apart and I can see what they're trying to say. The third piece, which is the piece we're talking about is that, that oftentimes we don't, we don't know the Bible well enough. We don't Mm. know the biblical worldview well enough to be able to compare what is being said through the film Mm. and evaluate whether or not it's true or false. Mm. And so it's, it's almost like you're just, I've, I've likened it before to, to a, uh, a Kung Fu fighter. Who's who, you know, seen those movies where they surround him and they come and they attack him. Mm. Uh, We're the guy, but he doesn't know he's in a fight. Yeah. So he's just getting pummeled all over the place. (laughs) Yeah. But they don't know. They just think that's normal life.
1: Yeah. I, I would, I would almost add to that, that we also have a, like a, a bent towards what's not, True, yeah, right. And so, like, we're all behind the eight ball even to start with, right? In terms of sin in our so lives, there's no right? hope. So there, well, yes, through Christ there is hope, <laughs> right? That's what the Spirit of God is for, right? Is to empower us to be disciplined in our application of the Bible, to understand what the Bible is saying, to apply what it is in our lives, to actually see through the lens of what, how God intended the world to be, what God's purpose is, even in entertainment and sports or theology, to see how God is moving and working in the world.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, yeah, the challenge of course is that it does require a certain level of, uh, commitment and yes. a certain level of ability. Mm-hmm. Um, what would help churches to, to train their people better to do this stuff we're talking about here?
1: What would help churches?
0: Or what could churches do to help, their, help people be discipled in this kind of discerning way? Do we just stand up and say, read your Bible more?
1: No, I, 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 if, I, if I would look at my own life, I would say like, the, the process was one of small steps. And so, like providing spaces for people to take small steps of service or whatever that would look like. So for me, it was you know, hey, you can stack chairs after service, and then I would you know see other people doing that and want to emulate their lives or what, what that would look like, right? So I th- like I think in terms of Northview, we do a lot of great things with uh, small groups and our communities and and you know discipleship uh, aspects with uh, Kyle. We also like have our
0: Kyle's our yeah. discipleship pastor,
1: here. yeah. I'm sorry.
0: No, it's okay. You know. You know him. I know. Clarify. Yeah, so exactly. Exa- sure no, fair,
1: fair enough. Um, and, you know, we do Wednesday night classes and things like that. So, like, there's there's lots of things that Northview's doing, but like, I just think, like, more is always better in terms of exposing people to opportunities to serve and ways to learn the Bible.
0: So, you would tell people to avail themselves of what's available? Yes. Uh, at, through the church yes. and those sorts of things that it actually will play a significant part at, at the end of their lives in terms of discernment that if you soak your mind in the things of the lord and you attend church uh, and you are part of a bible study and you're you know in your mind is being formed by by christ in his word and as a result that's going to that's going to play itself out in your ability to understand the difference between the biblical worldview and the worldview that's being espoused by all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And
1: and from a practical perspective, it's also going to help you like weather storms that, that come along the way, Mm. you know, there's, um, I did it passively. Like my, my parents taught me what that looked like. And so it was something that kind of happened over time. But if my parents hadn't taught me that the storms that I've gone through in life, but when I was a teenager would have, you know, thrown me way off course but be, because of you know the the habits and disciplines that were instilled in me um, suffering and you know difficulty in life had a different flavor had a different perspective had a different purpose mm. you know and, and so it was very helpful
0: you're uh, 35 now? 35 35 years old why is it that everybody your age doesn't want to go to church why why is it that in your in your kind of demographic everyone left church in their
1: twenties, they just ditched it.
0: Now, of course, a lot of people come back in their thirties, but I'm wondering why? I, why
1: do your peers do that? I, I don't know. Like Jeff, I, I have no idea because I don't affiliate with that at all. I can't understand. I can't understand it. I, I can't understand the 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 not need for no community because the message of the millennial generation is community, right? But it just seems like a like a. Uh, a push against truth or I don't you know a conforming to a particular way if that would be fair I so mean, are you I weird know. you're kind of weird though. i I'm weird at thirty five I think, and i will own that I'm weird but in a good way, sure, I'll leave that for others to decide because I'm not quite no, sure but if you look back i mean you're thirty five years old right, older yeah. than Jesus was when he did yeah.
0: so do you like you look back now and you think to yourself, of you you've chosen a particular path at least up to this point in your life, yeah. Uh, do you feel like you've missed out on something significant by not going uh, the other way by saying, look, guess you know, if you're 24 and you're, you know, you're out of college or whatever, I mean, Sunday mornings are awesome to sleep in or yeah. to go for a walk or to do so many other things than go to church. Yep. So I, I'm just, you could have chosen that, but you chose not to. And yeah. you look back now, or do you find that you, you are sad about it? No.
1: Why not? Not not, not for a minute. Because I'm 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 fulfilled in what I'm doing. I like I I see God's purpose in in the world, and it's not about me. It's about somebody else. It's about it's about His glory and His and His plan. And so, you know, I I get to fit in as a part of that. What what? Why why would I want anything else?
0: Yeah, and discipleship is not something that uh, just happens to you. So that's why it's called a learner, right? I mean, yeah. It, if, if you want to go and learn something I, there there is there's very little that we learn by osmosis yeah. by just by just living like if you yeah. want to learn how to to do box boxes for machine parts <laughs> yeah sorry for aircraft no. parts <laughs> you're, you're if you want to learn the business you're actually going to have to put forth some effort to actually learn it for sure you're gonna to have to learn how to make an airport airplane but there's everything that you do in life that requires that's worth doing honestly requires some effort of learning yeah and unfortunately, in the church, I, th- I, I think it's because we're so addicted to the idea that we're supposed to feel Jesus all the time, right? <laughs> that that we start sort of just like, well, yeah, you know, it'll happen. It, yeah. It'll it'll you'll feel it. Well, no, actually, like you said, your your mind's bent on in on itself. We are selfish by nature. We mm-hmm. are we you know we we don't want God or His ways. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a, a radical work of grace in our lives. Thanks be to God that He yeah. does. Yeah. But then following after that, you know, there needs to be a work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and act according to his good pleasure. There needs to be that kind of exhausting, look, I'm I'm going to put my hand to the plow when it comes to learning. I'm going to take up my cross and follow him. And that does, yeah. that's not easy. No. And no. oftentimes uh, it means cutting out some things in your life, and oftentimes it means picking up things you don't want to do, yeah. or things that are a start as a duty. They will usually end as a delight. Mm-hmm. But they start as a duty. It's like chewing through an orange peel. Which you're like at the, at the beginning. You're like, I don't want to take an orange peel. But there's something sweet in there. Yeah. And churches like that. Yeah. And there is a danger in discipleship that you won't finish the race you've begun.
1: Yeah. Which is a major portion of what the scriptures teach. But I, I don't think we can overstate the idea that like discipline comes before passion. I, I was reading a, an article in National Post that was talking about that about this woman who was, you know, uh, be, became a super accomplished pianist, but um, she started out hating piano because it's scales and scales and scales over and over and over again. And as she learnt as she understood the piano, she became passionate about the piano. She became passionate about music. And I, like I think the same thing applies. We would do that as parents with our kids, right? Practice throwing the ball. If you want to be a baseball player, practice throwing the ball. Throw it hard, but I don't want to. Throw it. You need to learn that skill. You need yeah. to. Then the and muscles then,
0: in your shoulder need to build up so you're able to do it better. It, and then, exactly. Yep.
1: And then soon your child is saying, Dad, can we go play? Yeah. Dad, can we go throw the ball? Dad, can, and like, it's a simple application for biblical truth as well, for biblical understanding, for seeing God work in the world. So we have to discipline ourselves to do so. And then it becomes a joy to do so. Yeah.
0: Jason, I could talk to you for a long, long time. Thank you so much for coming in and oh, no introducing yourself to the fine people
1: mm, no who problem. are
0: listening to this fine podcast. <laughs> you better believe I it. I want everyone to know that uh, Bar- we put Barney out.
1: Oh yeah, I, I wasn't uh, we have a quite stuffed sure what Barney this about. sitting
0: right in front of you. He's been staring at you the entire time, just because we knew you were young. And you probably oh. well, knew a little you. bit about thank Barney, you. and we didn't want you to feel put off. So there he is, your imaginary friend.
1: Actually, I just I figured it was here so that I didn't have to hold your gaze the entire time. No,
0: you could just look at Barney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He loves
1: you. Oh, You're not so sure about me. <laughs> no, no, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot. Oh, no problems. It's great to have you. No, uh, we'll
0: catch you guys again.